politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for our life, liberty, property, soul, mind, sovereignty, country, everything that matters. There's nothing they will not take from us. There is nowhere to run, nowhere to hide from the Fourth Reich. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here today for Tuesday, May 9th. And boy, yesterday was a real blockbuster show with Todd Benzman talking about these unknown colonies of cartels and illegal aliens inside of our country in rural areas being taken over. Uh, For those of you who are new to this show the last couple of years, I covered the border illegal immigration issue really with as much intensity as I did COVID. Um, Let's not forget Before the Biden era, the biggest border surge ever was during Trump 2018 to 2019. And there is a lot to say about this, framing the issue, what it is, what we should do about it. Never has it been clear. Never has it been this clear that we cannot afford to wait until 2025. Oh, uh, we need to get Biden out of office. Well, yeah, but... As you can well see, there is so much transformation that they are inducing. They're invading our bodies, our border, our souls, our minds, literally, on all those fronts. You look at the transformation in two years, doubling the amount of high schoolers that identify as not having known who their gender is. You look at the border numbers, 13,000 illegals arriving per day the last week, and it goes up every single day. That would be an annualized pace of about 4.5 million new aliens a year. You can't wait until then. So there's one clear solution that I'm going to keep banging away. The red state governors have to take the lead. It is that simple. So we're going to frame this and more. We'll get to the invasion of our border and possibly our bodies, minds, and souls. If not, today we'll get to that tomorrow on all those fronts, doping people up with Adderall, marijuana. Turns out there's a, there's a study on schizophrenia. Um, obviously, you got the AI. There's nothing they won't touch. See, the conservative modus operandi for generations was just kind of be with your family, your job, and just tune it out. You can't. You can't run from it. It's a pretty big country, but they have enough people now, as, as we mentioned yesterday, they'll, they'll fill up not just the cities, but the rural areas. What are you going to do when you have millions from every corner of the world with tattoos all over their bodies, young males marching into the country? There's nowhere to hide from it. Now, first, our sponsor today is Government is Officious meddlesome in every aspect of your lives they certainly take over your small business um it's only when it comes to mandating others take a shot that private businesses could so-called do what they want in fact they can't from wrongful termination sexual harassment all sorts of things those of you who are small business owners have to deal with red tape every day that's not why you got into the business it could cost eighty ninety thousand dollars to hire a dedicated hr manager but if you go to bambi and you do that by going to Bambi.com, and then you type in Conservative Review under you know where you heard it, which podcast, Conservative Review. 
you will be able to get one for just 99 bucks per month. It doesn't mean that Bambi as a company will send you a new person each week. You'll have a dedicated HR manager attached to you, available by phone, email, real-time, chat, um, everything from onboarding to terminations to make sure uh, your HR uh, shop is running smoothly. That's literally $1,200 a year, and it's month to month. It's not even a year. You could cancel any time. Um, all US-based, obviously, so you're not speaking with some Indian somewhere. It is truly amazing. So again, go to Bambi.com, type in conservative review, and schedule a free conversation today. They could audit your business, see see what they can do, taking that off your plate, taking the government invasion off your plate so that you can do your business for what you started it for. Bambi.com, type in conservative review. Um, so government invasion. The first thing to understand is this is not a natural disaster. Uh, I was in a hotel room again. I've been doing some more traveling, and I look at the TV, Fox, Newsmax. They have on these idiot Republican senators, and every one of them is like, oh, the border crisis, humanitarian crisis. And I mean, it's, it's a humanitarian crisis, but they act as if it's a hurricane or something. And then they say, well, we need border security. It's kind of like you have a hurricane, so you have to rebuild infrastructure. So you have to build that, – that's not what's going on here. It is a government-orchestrated invasion. It is a government – the government is working with the cartels, with the countries of origin, and they are inviting it. They're bringing it in. Okay? So you could – you could have as much border security as you want. All that means is more DHS personnel and resources. Now, in an ideal government, you need some of that. But what if the government itself is the enemy? What if they themselves have broken the social compact? It's funny when uh, Jefferson was indicting King George in the Declaration of Independence, one of the things he says is that he, meaning King George, has excited domestic insurrections among us and has endeavored to bring on the inhabitants of our frontiers a merciless Indian savages whose known rule of warfare is an undistinguished destruction of all ages, sexes, and conditions. I could tell you, whatever they were dealing with with the Indians back then, you weren't dealing with millions of people from the most volatile, violent parts of the, of the world. You could see the pictures, young males all tattooed up. Um, honestly, a lot of them don't look very you know, downtrodden in huddled masses. They look like they're coming for a fight. <laughs> And it's pretty scary. But let me tell you, that doesn't happen by accident, okay? Doesn't happen by happen by accident. See, we we often talk about our country's immigration policies from the receiving end, because we're receiving the invasion. But what about from the countries of origin? You don't just get up and leave some of these places. That's why, by the way, a lot of people say, oh, we didn't have immigration restriction before the 1880s. But in fact, we did through diplomatic correspondence. It was like a secretary of state issue. You know, nowadays, if you put it into terms of departments, it wasn't a DHS or DOJ issue. It was a State Department issue. You just say, you know, say to the embassy there, hey, you know, we're not taking people in because they have to really sign off on that. Now, yes, there are some countries with weak institutions in Latin America. Clearly, they come over on their own. I understand that. But when you talk about all these Chinese, and there are a lot, so I think the Venezuelans are kind of the face of this, 
maybe in raw numbers, and then in addition to all the Mexicans, Central Americans, Cubans, Haitians, and uh, really every country south of the border in the Western Hemisphere. But you have, I mean, they are from everywhere, but, but specifically more than ever from China. And the question everyone needs to be asking on this is, how do a, a bunch of Chinese nationals permanently migrate without the permission of China? The answer is they don't. So then the follow-up question is obviously, how do we know they, we don't have espionage going on too? I'm saying aside from the whole you know, question of violence, cartels, drugs, public burden, social transformation, um, you know, straining all of our hospitals and resources and, and cr- criminal justice system, you name it. But do you really think a bunch of people in China are like, man, uh, we're, we're looking for work. Uh, we'd love to escape. Could you let us go out and go to America? And it turns out they usually go to Ecuador and there's a bunch of Chinese uh, brokers there that, that help them with uh, their papers and smuggling and they wind up in, in Panama, which is really the linchpin to all this. And then they come right back up. This is very targeted, very meticulous. It's not like Helter Skelter, a bunch of like people breaking out of a jail or something. This is carefully orchestrated. You, be, with all of our diplomatic relations with all these countries involved, it can happen without them wanting it. And indeed, some of you might have seen the news last night. Um, the Border Patrol Union put out a statement on this. The DHS literally announced that they're going to do some sort of operation. They're going to conduct an enforcement operation in El Paso targeting migrants who crossed the border and were not processed by immigration authorities. So first of all, it's only the ones who aren't processed, meaning they plan on processing most of the, most of the invaders. But moreover, why would you announce exactly where and when you're going to have an enforcement operation? Of course, the answer is because you're telling them to avoid that area. They need to show that they're doing something, but they don't want to miss anyone, leave no illegal behind. So that's what they're doing. So that's the first thing. This is an invasion. And I'm sick of Republicans dancing around on migration crisis, humanitarian crisis. I'm also sick of hearing 95% of the talk about the effects on the illegal aliens. Oh, the rapes of this, that, that, the human trafficking. That's all true. But it's like that's like 95% of their cause because you can never talk about the damage to Americans. You can only virtue signal about others, even if it's true. I'm not denying that. It's part of the problem, but it's not the only problem. And, you know, we should be concerned about the welfare of our own citizens. But this is endless. It's from all corners of the, of the world. So I want, I want to give a little bit of context, historical context, to what is going on. So we understand where we are today and what it is we need to do about it. Um, first, folks, at, 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 a, at a time like this, there is no lack of threats to your life and body. They're invading you. They're coming for you. As if we don't have enough uh, Americans released from prison, we now have these gangbangers. Ba- basically, it's like, hey, hey, world, give us your garbage. Give us your violent criminals and uh, and we'll take them. So you need to learn how to defend yourself. You are more likely now to have to confront 
evil on the street and defend yourself and your loved one. That's why I recommend the best training in handgun defense in all of America at our friends Patriot Academy by going to patriotacademy.com slash Daniel. You can look at their schedule throughout the rest of the spring and into the summer. They will have their three- and five-day defensive handgun training where you learn how to draw from a holster, how to defend yourself in a, in a situation, situational awareness, trigger control, sight alignment. It That course, you will come out. If you follow all the directions, you will come out with more skills than most run-of-the-mill law enforcement have uh, during their career unless they you know, got the training on their own. Um, it is great. You'll meet the best patriots around. I'm, I'm looking into going possibly at the end of June again, so I will let you know. But stay tuned uh, at uh, patriotacademy.com slash Daniel. If you have any questions about um, the arrangements there, you know, just some logistics, email one of Rick Green's sons at defense at patriotacademy.com. So... Folks, we had throughout the really 60s and 70s a bunch of illegal immigration, all exclusively from Mexico, all these uh, agricultural workers. Reagan was convinced against his better judgment to give an amnesty in 1986. Um, He wasn't really happy about it. Ed Meese, his attorney general, was very much against it. But the Uniparty, Simpson-Mazzoli, Simpson was the Wyoming rhino Republican senator for many years. So again, the Uniparty killed us on this. And for years, it was a bipartisan thing. Then after they had that amnesty, it started building up again in the, you know, throughout the 90s, um, really reaching a feverish pitch during, during Bush's time. And Bush was pro-amnesty for years when we should have been deterring it and finally making illegal immigration illegal. Um, instead, we, um, we debated about digging the hole even worse. We had to play defense all these years just to block more amnesties rather than all of us uniting and ending the invasion. Then eventually what happened was what I believe is the confluence of two things. You had the Great Recession, you know, 2008, 2009, in conjunction with the fact that we already emptied literally at the time 10% of Mexico's population into this country. Um, Because remember, we have record legal immigration for 40 years straight from Mexico. They're the number one country for which we hand out green cards. So, um, you know, this whole business that, uh, oh, it's because we have a broken immigration system. Now, we do, but not in the way, in the opposite way they say. They say because we don't allow in enough legal immigrants, so they have to come illegally. Um, Obviously, it's bull because the period of illegal immigration coincided with the greatest period of legal immigration expansion and the country of origin of those from illegal, you know, of the illegal immigrants is coincidentally or not so coincidentally from the countries where we have the most legal immigration. And the opposite is true. It's the more you turn America into these enclaves of, you know, where you enjoy the benefits of America, but you get to keep your culture from the country you came from because we have so much legal immigration the more they're incentivized to come. It's a bottomless pit. But Republicans, I'm watching, they're still echoing this talking point. They're like, yeah, we have a broken system, but but now we got to deal with the border. Okay, but they're, they're implying that we don't have enough legal immigration. And obviously, that's not true. You can never invite your way out of this. If you, if you add up the countries that have the GDP and violence and c- civil unrest and 
you know, lack of job opportunities similar to the Central American Triangle, you get about 2 billion people. There is no limit. If you invite people to come, who will come? They will come. And that's, you know, before you get into real criminality and dangerous people, just in general, just from an economic standpoint. So that's a big lie. Republicans are still off message on that, which drives me nuts. But anyway, that's that's number one. So then we thought we were finally done with illegal immigration after the Great Recession. But then what happened was Obama started talking about young people, DACA, giving them amnesty, the DREAM Act. So that induced Central Americans to then do what Mexico did for so many decades. And that's when we started with the Central American waves, the family units uh, started with the unaccompanied minors, and then they would come with them. In 2014, that was the big UAC crisis, the unaccompanied child crisis. Okay. Then Trump comes and is like, we're going to shut this down. And for the first nine months of his admin, there was this impression that he would shut it down. So the, the, it was very fascinating. You see that they respond to incentives. You tell them they're invited, they come. You tell them you're not invited, we'll kick you out. You can't get pennies, you can't get jobs. We find you, we'll throw you out. Like any other country, sovereign nation, in the history of humanity, then they won't come. I mean, it's really that simple. You know, we could talk about what the cartels and the drugs would look like, what we would need to do in terms of assets and wall and um, resources and military, which I'm all for dealing with the cartels. But right now, the cartels have millions of people to throw at us. So let's first disincentivize from the alien route so that they have no incentive to come. Then we could see what danger the cartels pose without the cover, the revenue they get, and all that from the illegals. And I don't know what that would quite look like because that's the 800-pound gorilla in the room. It's all about magnets. But then what happened was, and I don't have time to relitigate this, but I, I mean, I wrote hundreds of articles throughout the Trump administration on immigration, just like I did afterwards on COVID. And we were begging him, do this, do this. We were always making the play calls. And the problem was, and this is emblematic of Trump's entire presidency, but it was definitely very true with immigration, is that he signaled to the left that he was going to do extremely hardcore things. So they activated like crazy to counter it and then he wouldn't strategically follow through on the things that need to be done. So they created this massive lawfare, and we actually went backwards because then the court started mandating like judicial amnesty. And we we did, you know, we really covered that for, for two years straight, the judicial amnesty and all the things he should have done to get around it. And and it was so what what that that induced a crisis in 2018 and 2019 that started a new para, new paradigm. What you are seeing under Biden is not new. Just like with the debt, Trump had record debt and spending and record illegal immigration. Biden built off of that baseline and, of course, expanded on it. So, yes, it is worse under Biden, but it's, it's, it's all one continu- continuous line. Trump's admin, whether you like it or not, it was under his watch where we started this new paradigm of caravans. Meaning it used to be it was kind of quiet and you just have a lot of illegals throughout a 2,000-mile border and coming in and it adds up. Most of them would get away. But there, under Trump, they started, and again, it was mainly the courts, but he was very weak in responding to it. 
And basically, basically, we had these massive caravans where you'd have thousands of people at one time come to the border. Now, I understand now the numbers are even bigger. But at the time, that was the biggest border crisis we had in American history. It's amazing how people forget. The Overton window is so extreme, but that's facilitated by when Republicans are in power. Not only do they fail to do what it takes to, to stem the tide, but they expand it. So, yeah, certainly when the Dems come in, they'll expand it even more. But people forget. Like, they're like, oh, it was so great because they'll use the numbers from when immediately when Biden immediately took office. The problem is that was covid. It was covid that shut it down. Now, they'll say, yeah, Title 40, then they invoke Title 42. But even without Title 42, the numbers slowed just because of the pandemic. So let's not forget that. That that precedent was set then. And we were yelling for almost two years. He had horrible personnel. It wasn't towards later on we got in people like Ken Cuccinelli as Deputy DHS Secretary... And even he had to fight the number one guy there, who was Chad Wolf. And finally, 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 we started turning the corner a little bit. But it was only because of our people. No thanks to the people he brought in. And incidentally, Cuccinelli is now supporting DeSantis. Um, but that's, that's where we were. That is the history. And by the way, you know, I'd be remiss to, to say, or remiss to omit this fact, during the Trump administration, they deported only a little bit more than one-third the amount of people from the interior compared to the first four years of the Obama administration. Meaning, the only respect where the Trump deportations were either equal or slightly more were Obama's final two years where he fully implemented his you know DACA type of stuff and, 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 and shut down... Um, I'm sorry. I mean, those numbers don't lie. We and, and you know, I, I, we begged him to 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 do more at the time. But the bottom line is, for all of his talk, he deported fewer people than Obama. Much fewer people. I mean, you compare it to Obama's first term, it's literally like maybe less than forty percent of Obama's interior removals. That's just how it is. That is just how it is. Um, so, so that's what it is. It just metastasizes. It grows. Now, folks, one thing you want to grow this time of year are your shrubs, trees, plants, flowers. I'm really thrilled this spring to yet again partner with fast-growing trees. Um, we now have two years' worth of shrubs in our front lawn, uh, so everyone can see from fastgrowingtrees.com. By the way, you go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash conservative now. You get 15% off of your entire order. What's your order? So they have an assortment of all sorts of things to either if you want shade, if you want ground cover, you want pri privacy hedges, whatever you want it for. They have a um, an easy-to-use website where you could search what is good for you, your climate, your personal situation, Um our stuff, the quality, it, it comes in within a few days very quickly. The quality is amazing. You don't have to you know, go out to the store and uh, load up your car and then it gets all dirty and then the plants fall in the back and they get decapitated. 
So this stuff really works. They also have a 30-day alive and thrive guarantee. There's nothing as crushing as, you know, like, you know what? That looks beautiful in my yard. I'm going to splurge, pay an extra $100 here, and then it doesn't grow. It, like, doesn't grow. I've, I've had that over the years. So they have their guarantee there, 30 days, join over 1 million no, 1.5 million happy fast growing trees customers by going to fastgrowingtrees.com slash conservative now to get 15% off. That's 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com slash conservative. Uh, I want you guys to take a listen to this minute or so clip. This was Trump, and this wasn't at the beginning. This was late in his admin, July 10th, 2020, on with MSNBC, by the way, announcing that he's supporting a bill in Congress that has DACA amnesty. So what happened was that the Supreme Court said that he cannot end it DACA. He took forever to do it, did it in the wrong way. And again, I'm not I'm not defending the courts. No matter what, they had no right to get involved, but everything was done sloppily and chaotically, so it just made it easier for the left to hit it. So the left said you have to keep DACA, you didn't rescind it properly. So rather than saying I'm going to do it properly, which, again, the courts had no right to interfere, he announced the following. Take a listen. And I'm going to be, over the next few weeks, signing an immigration bill that a lot of people don't know about it. You have breaking news, but I'm signing a big immigration bill. Is this an executive order? I'm going to do a big executive order. I have the power to do it as president, and I'm going to make DACA a part of it. But we put it in, and we're probably going to then be taking it out. We're working out the legal complexities right now, but I'm going to be signing a very major immigration bill as an executive order, which Supreme Court now, because of the DACA decision, has given me the power to do that. One of the aspects of the bill is going to be DACA. We're going to have a road to citizenship. Okay, so that's as an executive order, not as a congressional bill. If you look at the Supreme Court ruling, they gave the president tremendous powers when they said that you could take in, in this case, 700,000 or so people. So they gave powers. Based on the powers that they gave, I'm going to be doing an immigration bill, one of the aspects of the bill that you'll be very happy with and that a lot of people will be, including me, and a lot of Republicans, by the way, will be DACA. We'll give them a road to citizenship. So, folks, I mean, this is very disturbing. I want to remind you, this was almost at the end of his term. And and this was July 2020. Do you remember what that was? That was like in the in the thick of, except for a couple of states, that was in the thick of the lockdowns. And this is what he was worried about while he was elevated Fauci as president? As I'm telling you, it wasn't just COVID. For all this talk and bluster, and he, he experimented with things. And what would happen was we would yell about things forever, expedited removal, the public charge thing, and eventually he would do it. But with each thing, he was inconsistent. He would contradict himself. He'd say, we're going to throw everyone out, but then we need DACA, just like, you know, we need to give the drug traffickers a death penalty, but then the next day we'll let out more than Obama did. It was just so bizarre. And that's the thing. It's like he would, it's not that he wouldn't touch on our issues and even sometimes implement them a little bit. But on net, you look back and it's like, we, we, we didn't get the results. And that's why. Now, the well was too poisoned ultimately at that moment, so they didn't wind up passing it. But I say all the time, if Trump would have won in 2020, we would have had a hell of a fight on our hands with amnesty. See, under Biden, Republicans will never support it. 
But with a Republican president, it's always a threat. It was the same thing with jailbreak, with criminal justice reform, de-incarceration. As long as there was a Democrat, no Republican was ever going, I'm not letting out criminals. Trump becomes president, and they're like, oh, it's great. And again, this is what scares me moving forward with Trump. His ability to get our people to stand down. And that was very heavily negotiated by Jared Kushner. Which is which is just unbelievable. Unbelievable. So folks, this is where we are with the border now. Because it wasn't dealt with when it should have been dealt with. Everyone was like, 2016 is the last time to save our country. Remember that? If Hillary wins, we're done. And, well, we didn't. See, there's this illusory nostalgia from four years ago, Trump, Trump's presidency, that everything is so bad now. Well, it was better under Trump. It's not really like that. It's one big uniparty where you have a Republican and Democrat president for, for several generations. Each one builds on the failures of the next. So it constantly just gets worse. You know, Biden might do it maliciously. Trump might, it might have been incompetence, mixed messaging, bad personnel, you know, taunting the left on immigration like crazy, but then not putting in place the right policies and personnel and legal authorities to make it happen. So then he got, you know, crushed. That, that was a big part of it. And again, I mean, the courts are terrible. So it wasn't like Trump directly invited them. The courts invited them. And that's why you had those waves. But that's the point. You can't have a guy talk the biggest game so it mobilizes the left, but then you don't properly confront it. So we are facing an unimaginable wave on top of what we said yesterday, which is the six or so million um, since uh, Biden took office, another few million that really these family units that were never removed under Trump. They came. um, These are now predominantly single adults. We're going back to that. And that's what it is. We emptied out Mexico. Then we emptied out the Northern American Triangle. We emptied out Cuba and Haiti. And now we're emptying out Venezuela and some other countries in Latin America. And then, you know, to a certain extent from every corner of the world. There's a whole bunch of them from Kyrgyzstan. And Kyrgyzstan's another one of those countries where you don't just leave in mass without the government knowing about it. So this is what we're about to face. The message needs to be clear. It's not about the wall. It's not about border security. It's about you can't litigate your way out of an invasion. You can't invite your way out of an invasion. And the way to solve illegal immigration is by making it illegal. The solution is very simple. Republicans are going to pass a border security bill this week. And then it's not just like infrastructure. It's actually more legal authorities. Cuts off asylum, this type of thing, fake asylum. You know, We could quibble about things that are in it, not in it, but generally a pretty good bill. Obviously, it won't go anywhere in the Senate. So what are we going to do about it? Now, I do think we need to have a shutdown fight over this with the budget bill on catch and release. I think you're never going to get a better issue than this because the good news is that the old regime of illegal immigration was kind of the quiet one-by-ones. 
It wasn't this mass caravan group. So that scares the heck out of people, that you can't deny the imagery. And that's what the Biden administration is scrambling to deal with. They're scrambling to efficiently get them in the country. They don't want chaos because that will draw too much attention to it. So that means we do want the chaos. I mean, we don't want it at all, but if you're going to have it, we want to force the issue. So to me, if I'm Kevin McCarthy, I'll, I have a press conference and say, look, whenever you have a family that reaches its credit line, like we do with the debt ceiling now, you have to prioritize what you need and don't need. Shouldn't the first thing be not funding the rest of the world? Isn't that the easiest thing to cut? And how could Biden demand we issue more debt while inviting the entire world to come here? Very simple messaging. But ultimately, it's the governors. Ultimately, in a sane Republican Party, and I know you're going to laugh at me, but a man can dream. Every Republican governor would gather in Texas, somewhere in Texas, with Greg Abbott, and they would announce a border compact. Okay, border security compact. And what that would mean is, both on interior and border, that each state would pledge National Guard and an array of state and local law enforcement resources to go to the border. The Florida governor keeps offering it. And not and here's the here's the kicker, not there to manage the invasion, but to repel, repel, repel the invasion. That's number one. But the problem is we can't even pressure the other governors to do it because Greg Abbott himself continues to do what he always does, which is put out a release that he's that he actually is doing it, but he's not. From what we're hearing, there's no evidence anything has changed. All the deployment of his assets he's talking about, they're not, there's no evidence that they're returning people. But A, Texas would do it first. Texas would pass, pass uh, you know, HB20. And, and all the states would contribute. That's number one. They would declare a border invasion, invoke Article 1, Section 10, the compact clause, that we're in imminent danger the feds are not only not stopping it, but they're actually a part of it and working with the cartels. The social compact has been broken. You will never get a more compelling issue with better imagery in the news buttressing your position to start this interposition. I don't even want to call it interposition because states have the right to self-defense. It's, it's really a defensive mechanism. But of course, they're not doing it. Then each state would pledge no work, no bennies, no education. I don't care about the courts, none of this. So take Florida's, Florida's bill they just passed, times five, times 25 states. Either you'd have no illegal immigration or it would all be in the blue states, but at least you protect your states. They need state in interior enforcement and states joining with Texas to staunch this. That is the only solution we will not have a country left. By 2025. So I don't care about the presidential election in that respect. Because what are you going to do? Again, you cannot imagine what this is causing. Another point I'd just be remiss to not add. Isn't it funny? People are like, Daniel, the states can't do that. Isn't it funny how without batting an eyelash, states were able to put travel bans on other American citizens from other states? They were able to restrict your movement. They were able to violate your rights, your mouth, 
your business. There were reports at the peak of it where they were, like, in Pennsylvania, I saw this, I remember, that someone was pulled over for driving. Like, they literally, they took it literally, stay at home. Yet, somehow, so that's the police power for public health. But somehow, they could crash our border and then crash all 50 states. Because remember, most don't stay there at the border. Or uh, almost none of them stay at the border itself. Some might go to Texas cities like, like San Antonio and Houston, but the majority go to other states. So they, I mean, and, and again, everyone's talking about, oh, um, if Title 42 goes, we're done. That's just the Overton window moving because you're just telegraphing to the, um, you know, the world that there's, this is the most auspicious time to come. This is amazing period of time to come. But it's not like until now, it wasn't. I was like, now it's really going to be a problem. It has been a problem. Hundreds of thousands every month. I mean, again, like we talked about yesterday with Todd, you cannot even imagine the social transformation that has already taken place that just hasn't been written about and fully actualized. But that's the thing. We cannot wait until then. It's about interior enforcement. Everyone is walking around, stepping around the 800-pound gorilla in the room. The border is an illusion. Oh, border security. Oh, well, it's tough, Daniel. I don't know. What do we do? We need more money, more assets. There's a very simple thing. They come in and do what? There is a system in place for them to work. They don't make a lot of money, but enough that between the bennies they get, the identity theft rings, organized crime could only persist if there is political corruption on both sides of the border, which there is. It's not a natural disaster that we have to conjure up some major solution for. Make illegal immigration illegal. It's not. They're all over. They're in plain sight. They're not in the shadows. I wish they were. They don't operate in the shadows. They operate openly. The law is not enforced. If governors would enforce the law, it would be over with. Well, Daniel, that's the Fed's job. Do you want to survive or not? Okay, I don't hear it's the Fed. We know it is. But they're not only not doing it, they're they're part of the invasion. So what are you going to do? Yes, if you want a, an election talking point, you have a very good talking point. Biden, What Biden is doing on the border is going to hurt him. It's very unpopular. If all you want to do is just worry about the next election and your talking point on Fox, oh, it's terrible. Look what I, I, Yeah, we know that. But it's so terrible, we can't wait. So what are you going to do about it? So McCarthy and House Republicans, pass your bill, that's fine. But they need to start messaging that the governors need to lead on this. There is no way out of this. Another thing that needs to be done is we need to empower the ranchers to defend their turf. Texas needs to pass buttressed self-defense laws, stand-your-ground laws that are even stronger to make it very clear that we won't have George Kelly situations there where if you have belligerents on your property and you feel threatened, you know, you will not get in trouble. Um, then you have Ken Paxton. He's saying we should fight it out in court. I just caught a glimpse of him a little bit on Glenn Beck this morning. We need to fight it out in the court. 
look, I get he's the attorney general, so that's kind of you know more in his purview than the governor is is the, to deal with the courts. But really, buddy, you can't litigate your way out of this. I don't know what 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 you think the courts are going to do. The courts were the original problem. And by the way, haven't you noticed? Why do you think everything they're doing, everything the left does? is population control. Notice everything results in less procreation, killing people with the virus, the vaccine, then the whole, you know, transgender stuff, everywhere, ubiquitous. Everything leads to a generation of just, you know, again, we're talking about invading our borders, but they're invading our souls, our minds, the depression, the mental illness, the the drugs that are thrown at people. The, the the tranny grooming, the homosexual grooming. But then at the same time, they don't mind bringing in millions of people who tend to have a lot of kids. I want you to think about that for a minute. Email me, danielhorowitz at startmail.com. What do, you, what do you think? Why is it that everything they do, I mean, obviously the climate agenda and everything, there's too many people. They're very open about that. But then they want to bring in the largest group of people. Now, obviously, some of the part of the answer is it's a global agenda. So, yeah, in America, you might have a net increase with, with the migration, but they're not new people being created, so to speak. They're coming from elsewhere. So what that tells you is this is about a transition. Or more aptly put, replacement. More than trying to kill off procreation... I mean, that's a general global goal. It definitely is. But in America in particular, and for people like you and me, they want to replace us. And that's what really what we were talking about yesterday with the colonization. They want to replace us. Meaning, it's not that, oh, these people will be exempt from having kids, the global warming regulations, or this and that. Oh, they, they will. They'll, they'll be all over them eventually. But they first need to get them in and replace us because they believe, you know, obviously from their backgrounds, they'll be more controllable. That's really what this is all about. But that's why now, like, for example, the, these guys are full of. Um, so, so, again, just, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm suddenly supporting like public health measure controls, but I will just say this. Viruses like that are endemic, you can't just control them. They go everywhere. But there are things that are brought in only because of a hygiene standard. Hygiene does matter. So you have a bunch of scabies, chikungunya, dengue fever, that type of stuff is being brought in. Tuberculosis, there's no question about it. A TB is a big issue with the Venezuelans. I mean, that's, that's out in the open. Try to do some reporting on it. Isn't it funny? And, and no one's like, a matter. are these people vaccinated? I mean, can you, you imagine fellow Americans, we are like filthy dirty if we didn't get the clot shot, right? Even though it didn't work. But a lot of these people likely didn't get many other shots that we're told is so amazing. And there's no concern about it. Again, it's not hypocrisy. It's part of a plan. They're there to replace us. They're there to replace us. So, folks, this is what it is. They're getting into our 
border really to get into our bodies and minds and souls and replace us. And that leads me to the next story I wanted to talk about. An unbelievable story. It turns out, take the craziest allegations and predictions from you know, early on in the pandemic that people said, this is going to do this, the vaccine, the remdesivir, the, the virus, the way it was created, the lockdowns, the mask. There's not a single thing that the government pushed that not only didn't work, but actually spread it worse and made people more sick. Okay, and that's when I said, like, wait a minute, this, there's no way this wasn't done on purpose. Well, there's one more thing that I didn't spend that much time talking about, but there's another um, tentacle of this entire biomedical security state, and that was the testing. And I'll never forget, there were people that were warning, they're like, Daniel, you better not take those tests, those tests, they, they probably have stuff on them. And I'm, I'm thinking like, it was a tough one because at the time, you know, especially when the vaccine made the virus very virulent and we were worried about people needed treatment. So we started pushing test and treat because you just need to make sure you had it and immediately start getting treatment. So it was a way of empowering people not to get trapped into the vaccine, into the hospitals, into that treatment to just, you know, you know, don't don't report it, don't go to a testing center, do it on your own. But there were people that were warning that that's another way of them screwing you over. This is from thehill.com. The FDA has recalled more than 500,000 COVID-19 tests over concerns of them being contaminated with bacteria. Hmm. It's called SD Biosensor Inc. Pilot COVID-19 at-home tests, which are distributed by Roach Diagnostics. They had significant concerns with the test's liquid solution. And I'm thinking like, really? And they, they, they said they're going to address the corrective actions to, to address the reason for bacterial contamination. How the hell do you just accidentally get bacteria on it? Every last thing, they're literally, I mean, that's up your nose, the mask up your mouth, we now know has caused so many problems, not just that it didn't work. What sort of country, what sort of government would contaminate your body, your mouth, your nose, screw around with your brain, psychological warfare against you? Propaganda. Make everyone just just work on this propaganda. And who knows if there's no metaphysical aspect of this too. Hormonally screwing with, with uh, young kids and making them think that they're, they're boys or girls and girls are boys. And then on top of just the general you know, fact that like one in three of all kids are mentally ill. Making everyone physically sick, mentally sick, emotionally sick. Spiritually depraved. What sort of government would do that? Well, I'll tell you what sort of government. The same sort of government that would work with the cartels to invade its own country. See, when you listen to today's show, yesterday's show, last couple days, you'll come away with a sense of all this kind of tit for tat on the presidential politics or, you know, R versus D elections. None of us, including myself, are really scraping the surface of what we likely need to be doing. 
This is a breach, a high-tech breach of the social contract that makes King George look like nothing. That's child's play. And with that said, I just want to... Well, you know what? Let, let's, let, let, let's just play this. I, I, I want to play another clip too today. Our, our, our best friend Yuval Noah Harari... He's Klaus Schwab's uh, legal assistant, one of the top World Economic Forum guys. So he gave a talk about discrimination in the future that will be based on a score system with AI. Take a listen here. Now, in the coming years, in the coming decades, we will face individual discrimination, and it might actually be based on a good assessment of who you are. I mean, if AT&T, if the algorithms and the big data algorithms of AT&T, they follow you around, they look up your Facebook profile, your DNA, your records from kindergarten until today, they will be able to figure out quite accurately who you are. And if they, for example, find out that, oh, he lacks motivation on the on the X scale, on the Harari scale, or the Friedman scale of, motiv- of, of self-motivation, 0 to 10, he is just 7.1. And we don't want to accept to our company people of less than 8.2. And we know from experience that, yes, we can give you a little push, but you just lack what we need. And you will not be able to do anything or almost anything about this discrimination, first of all, because it's just you. They don't discriminate against you or me because you're Jewish or gay or black or whatever, because you're you. All right, folks. I mean, in the past, I would have laughed off a guy like that, but they're dead serious. They'll follow you around. They'll look up your Facebook profile, your DNA, your records from kindergarten, and they'll be able to figure out who you are and right away. They'll be able to say, so they, they don't even, you know, whether you choose to get a vaccine or not, they'll know. They'll know your behavior, and you'll be considered an inferior, an undesirable. We had a dry run of this with COVID. It amazes me how we have not put together the legal authorities to end the government's spying, surveillance, propaganda, psyops. By the way, that, that, that's another important thing. Um, there's something called Smith Muddent. Um, I believe it was in 1948. It's a bill that, you know, because when we engaged in warfare during World War II, we had a massive propaganda wing. And they wanted to make sure that propaganda, that, that the military psyops, weren't released on Americans. So they passed that bill in the late 40s to ban the use of propaganda. Literally, that's what it is. You cannot propagandize your own citizens. In the NDAA of 2012, that was repealed, severely, severely limited. And they allowed the State Department, among others, exceptions to that. I mean, that's a big, big action item. I would love to see presidential candidates run on that making sure that our government cannot engage in psychological warfare against its own citizens. They're invading our borders, our bodies, our minds, our souls. 
you name it, they're doing it. So, folks, this is, this is not good. I want you to watch what is going on at the border. And we frame the issue. I wanted to give you a little bit of a historic context. What needs to be done, the messaging on it, which is not being done. Trump, obviously, is going to talk about, oh, I'll deport everyone. Dude, the guy said it before, but then he said the opposite, and he also did the opposite. Results have to matter at some point. At some point, the results have to matter. We are only in this position because he failed. He failed on his central promise. But at the same time, I want you to watch what's going on and and think about every other issue. If a government can do this to you, because again, you you have to understand the logistics that, that, that undergirds this sort of invasion. It doesn't just happen spontaneously. You'll find chaotic scenes, of course, with clashing at a border. But generally speaking, the flow up from Panama, and then, you know, they get to Panama from all different places. Some could even fly from Europe to various Latin America. They pick some sort of South American country, and it depends on which country of origin you are, so which agents you have in which country that they work with. They get you to Panama, and then you come up. It is a very efficient meticulous program. The U.S. is the most powerful, all-knowing, all-intel government around. It's not that they don't know this. It's that they're actually orchestrating it. So the same country that will poison its own citizens will also invade its own country. See, this is also why... Like, all this talk about China rings hollow with me. They're basically neoconning China, like the same way we focus on the Middle East. Oh, China, oh no, oh, oh, you're right now. China's the problem. We have to put all of our effort to China. No, the problem's here at home. Yeah, I'm, of course China's a problem. The same way I still think Islamic nutcases are a problem. But the only reason they're really a problem and a threat to us is because our government is a threat, and part of that is that they enable external threats to harm us in addition to them directly trying to harm us. This is the government we're up against, folks, and it ain't pretty. It ain't pretty one bit. So, you know, this is really where it's at. I would recommend for our Liberty Strike Force teams, get together the Freedom Caucus type of guys in the state legislature, write a letter to the governor and say, it's time to get into session. Every state legislature should form a special session and cut off the magnets. Cut off the magnets. I think that would be a very powerful message. If they said, and they had press conferences, our message is you are not welcome in the states. You'd be surprised, Todd Benzman in his reporting always talks about this, how sophisticated these illegals are. They respond exactly to the legal authorities that are provided to them. You make it clear they're not welcome in the red states, they will not come. They need to get into special session and pass as many interior enforcement laws as necessary. 
I don't want to hear about Biden, but the Democrats, we know what they are. We just described it. It's as evil as it comes. What are you going to do about it? At some point, it's got to be beyond, oh, I have a good dig at Biden. It's terrible what's going on. Look what he's doing. If it's that terrible, which we all believe it to be, you have an imminent obligation to do everything you can now to stop it. If it's an invasion, then by golly, treat it as such. Let me know your comments, questions, concerns on this and other issues we covered this week. Daniel Harwitz at startmail.com is the email. At RM Conservative is the Twitter. And you can check out our columns at conservativereview.com and at The Blaze. Till tomorrow, God bless you all. And thank you for listening.